what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing, amazing human beings, first and foremost, souls, uh, innovators, disruptors, CEOs, entrepreneurs, risk takers, anti-status quoers, artists. I always say people who are really outside of the box or you want to be outside of the box or you're misunderstood or people just you know in general don't get you why would you do something differently heaven forbid you should go find yourself we get you i get you my guests get you you should absolutely go on your own self-discovery um you know journey and a lot of new listeners so um first of all big special thanks to our you know listeners who've been around for a very long time and very special thanks to our our new listeners uh, for our new listeners, I've been saying, you know, uh, as the old listeners know, um, we don't glamorize or glorify and success here. It's just not ever going to happen on this podcast. We may talk about wins, of course, but uh, success is a very arbitrary term because it's different and unique to every single person. And I believe that instead of, uh, you know, you see turning online and or on media and seeing like what you think success should be, you really need to define it for yourself. Um, you know, and it's it's your journey. And I don't think you should ever feel pressure to do be think or have like anybody else other than what resonates with you most so that's really what we what we uh preach here what i preach here and my guests would tell you the same like they've taken their own journeys they've tried different things they've gone different routes they're no different than you and i they're just in different phases we all are in different phases right and so we're gonna continue to have those conversations um for those of you that knew her i'm matt goddessman you can reach out to me at matt goddessman on instagram you guys know for like the last decade i've been like answering every single text dm reply response i often get tested by you guys when you check in and you actually try and you're like you're gonna see this and i do i really appreciate you guys and thank you for all the ratings and review um today we're going to be talking about growth hacking. Um, and I think that this term has probably been thrown out in so many different capacities, uh, in so many different circles, in so many different ways. Um, and I've got an incredible guest, Nader Sabri, who is a strategist and innovator and entrepreneur. And he's, you know, he's worked with, um, you know, NASA space tech, government and health and wellness across the board. And currently based in Dubai and, um, you know, again, well, also, you know, he's raised 20 million directly, a hundred plus million, uh, indirectly for startups. He's also the author of ready, set growth hack, a beginner's guide to growth hacking success, uh, which is a growth blueprint for organizations to achieve 10 X growth. And guys, like, there's a lot of that. We, he and I, we were having a discussion, uh, last, or it was a week or two ago. And, um, you know, I think, growth hacking while it's a it's a and i always say growth marketing and growth hacking you know and i have an agency that does this sometimes it's what's misunderstood is because you, i think you see a lot of people online who kind of like may make it look a certain way like you see that with social media you see that with media and like oh like look at my followers look at this and i'm like yeah but are they customers like growth hacking real growth hacking um you know entails a lot of other details of knowing and understanding the market that you're serving how are you best um 
leveraging the technology to give them the best possible user experience? How are you at every step of their user journey in their interaction with you? Um, how do you cut down the barriers of them understanding who and what you are and how you serve them and how you uh, deliver that product or fulfill to them? Um, you know, how do you grow um, in a competitive world, but keep your authentic self while really just serving, you know, the part of the market that, you know, seems to resonate with you? I mean, there's so many different aspects of growing your business. And often at times, often at times, everybody usually thinks, oh, I'll make a pretty widget or a product or whatever, and then I'll go get VC funding. And congratulations, you now have a boss. But I, I always say, I'm like, well, no, you need sales. And had you been developing your product or service with the people, you probably have some instant sales. Now you just need to get some more of those. So we're gonna talk about a lot of different things. Uh, Nader, thank you so much for being here and, and uh, halfway thank around you. the world and at, in the evening. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it's a pleasure to be here and an and honor to be a guest on your show. It's, it's amazing. And uh, the world is a small place, man. I mean, even if it's different time zones, it's incredible how small this world has become with technology that just bridges that little tiny gap for us. It's Absolute, incredible. Absolutely. And shout out to Letty, who introduced us as well. Absolutely. Um, to, to an show, amazing soul. Right? Just to show you how, you know, I'm in Arizona. I think she was in Florida maybe when she did this, or or uh, or maybe it was in California. Uh, you're in Dubai. You know, I said, you two need to talk. And then we had that talk, and it was, you know, <laughs> I think we went on a day for about almost two hours. And, um, yeah. and I was like, yeah, we definitely have to take this to the podcast. Um, but for context, so people understand why you um, are involved with the growth of businesses, I would love for you to tell your background, your story, because you've been involved and not only involved in business for a very long time, but you also like, and this has been a topic of what happens when you're early. When you understand things before everybody else does, this has been a very big topic that's coming up often now because I think people shouldn't realize like, oh, wait a minute. I think that's going to happen often. And then I was like, yeah, because technology is constantly being created and recreated very quickly. So I'd love for you to you know, talk about your, your background. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think we'll definitely touch on the timing issue probably a little bit as we talk a little yeah. bit more, but it's one of these really crucial elements. Uh, but uh, yeah, just to give you a bit of background, I mean, I started as an entrepreneur in the mid-90s and I'd still I built a few businesses prior to my first big success, which was an internet service provider uh, it was one of the first ones in the world in 1994, 95, mm. when there was like a handful of domains. And um, it was an incredible experience because um, the 90s, I mean, if you remember those days, uh, I always would tell people and recognized it, thank God at that time, that this was a period in economic history where we were going to see unprecedented growth like we've never seen before and unlikely to ever be seen again at the same levels that we saw in the 90s. And 90s is a very... Uh, unusual period in, in the sense that there was a fruition of many technologies that had been being built up for the last couple of decades. And then it was right then when, when, when I guess it's a timing thing, and speaking about timing, when, when money and ideas and tech came together, and then finally 20 years later, which we are today, a lot of these things, if you look at them, they date back to the 90s. Um, everything from like early days of cryptocurrency. So it wasn't necessarily called cryptocurrency at that time, but it was already there. Uh, it was being done. And so one of the things that we did roughly 95, 96, which was a, a bit freaky, was voice over IP. And, and it was started with a theory we had, which is like, okay, so we can do images, we can do text, we can do voice, we can do uh, video, audio, like, like how, do we, how do we bring this rich media together? And it was difficult at that time because of the bandwidth. 
but because we had infrastructure, we can test uh, several different things. So, you know, we did one of the first voice over IP uh, tests. I mean, it wasn't anything like it was a breakthrough, but nothing wow compared to, of course, what we see today. And we had a team in, and I think it was in Amsterdam who we were testing with to do free calls over the internet, which was revolutionary at that time. Right. right. Uh, but I knew that like tech and innovation was at the core of everything that's about to happen in the world. Um, if you weren't touching it, if you were not part of it, if you weren't understanding it, um, you were going to be obsolete very quick. But the potential of what technology can do is what what made me fall in love with what innovation and technology can really do for the world. Um, it was it was an amazing experience. So from that point, you know, I was taking my company public, but we sold out during the IPO process. So we were quite lucky. And then I built the first generation AI company right after that and built a whole bunch of tech companies and then kind of shifted over into lobbying, representing the tech industry. And then that's how I kind of then ended up halfway across the world, working in government, um, in strategy policy, uh, basically looking at how to kind of reshape government and what, with one of the most dynamic and diverse governments in, on, the, on the planet, led by one of the most diverse leaders um, who believe that government should be a catalyst for change and allow innovation to flourish. And it's done nothing but that for the last uh, 20 uh, years plus, actually. But in the last 20 years, it's been super accelerated. And, and to be part of that product has been quite amazing. Um, and then I was um, involved in several policy reform programs, including the setup of an investment office to bring in foreign direct investment into the Emirate of Dubai. And that was kind of the gateway to uh, you know, bridging several of the let's bridging several of the gaps from a commercial perspective, anyways, that was able to bring innovation and technology um, to 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 this part of the world. Uh, and then shortly after that, I, I was headhunted as the head of innovation thought leadership of one of the top strategy firms at AT Kearney. Um, you know, basically working within their think tank, looking at the future, translating what the future means to Fortune 1000 companies and what they need to do about it. And that was a lot of fun. But then, uh, as you know, as an entrepreneur, Matt, the, there's, there's something in the system. Once it's in there, it doesn't go away. It's like this just little ticking thing inside. It's like, dude, I need to do my own thing because that's where I thrive the best. And it's true. Uh, so I, I started two other companies after that. One was a strategy firm and another was uh, what probably the most notable of all the companies I've started, which is Times 5. Uh, it was a NASA space, NASA space certified company. Uh, which is a, a whole accident in itself. It was never something planned, which shocks most people when they look at it, uh, kind of hindsight, like, oh, this was a very well executed strategy, but it actually wasn't <laughs> purely by accident. Um, but it was quite amazing. Um, you know, we managed to go to 37 countries around the world. Um, you know, we worked with some of the top organizations like General Electric, uh, recruited into the Global Entrepreneurship Program with the UK government. We were looking for kind of the next Googles around the world. Um, and yeah, and so when I sold that company in 2017, um, you know, I kind of told my guys at NASA, I got, I'm moving on, you know, kind of our technical, our well, legal relationship has changed because of the acquisition. And the, they said, well, we don't want you to go. We need guys like you in our system. And so up until that point, you know, I, I was brought into several um, space tech uh, events and, and other things that were highly related to the commercialization of technology because as a space tech company, we've done it in about eight, a little less than 18 months, which is unusual for a space tech company. And I think there was a lot of learning for many organizations. So they appointed me uh, as an honorary judge at the Space Technology Hall of Fame, where I get about seven companies every year for about three years. So every year we get seven new companies. And these are the cutting edge companies of the world who are literally breaking the boundaries of science 
and taking what has been done in space and, and bringing it into application on Earth um, in some really creative ways. So once I did all that, um, there was when I, while I was building my last company, I was working with a lot of guys with, with, who always use this term growth hacking. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, I didn't really know what it meant, to be honest with you. I think many people using the term didn't know either. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's true. one of those weird things. And and so I had a few friends who were like, you need to start a growth agency. You need you need to really go deep in the space because I think there's a lot of people that can learn about what you're doing. And so that's when I wrote my my, my first book here, Ready, Set, uh, Growth Hack, which is essentially a blueprint of, uh, to growth hacking success. And so what I did is I compressed, you know, 25 years of successfully growing organizations in, into a blueprint. And, and as we mentioned, you know, as I mentioned when we first spoke, like, and you mentioned at the very beginning as well of your, your talk, where um, there's no such thing as like a single formula or a silver bullet or a turnkey. So if you ever hear these terms, and, and for those of you tuning in, these are like alarm bells, right? So when you hear those kinds of things, I ask you just to think twice and look very carefully because... I have never seen it because I've actually tried it. It's never worked in my early days as, as an entrepreneur. I've never seen it work for anybody else. What does work are blueprints. And what a blueprint does for you is it gives you a process how to find your success. So if two people with similar backgrounds started the exact same thing at the exact same time, the way that both of them would succeed would be completely different when you take a look at it at a much more detailed perspective. Uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons behind that, but ultimately you, you need to be developing your own formula. And so that's what I focus on. So that became bestseller. Um, and then I got very deep into the growth hacking space, um, very, very deep. And what I recognized was that there wasn't a methodology um, to, to do all this. It was just like just a lot of random, amazing things, but they were just kind of random. They weren't structured. And so there's a science behind growth. And, and it, that surprises a lot of people because if you go to Harvard or whatever it is, you may learn several things about business, but they don't really teach you the science of growth, right? And, and, and growth hacking is one of those things on the edge of the space or the science of growth. And that's when I developed uh, growth thinking, which is uh, this, this book right here. So growth thinking is a design methodology uh, that's used to help people to go from action, uh, sorry, from idea to action in a snap. And ideally, the, the analogy I use that I solve in this book is basically peanut butter and jelly or chocolate and chili. So these are two things that like sound, oh, they don't really sound really good together. But when you add them, they're quite amazing. And so what I mean by that is structure and creativity. And um, it's, it's a weird thing because if you're a very creative person and you hear stru- about things related to structure, you don't like it. And if you're a highly structured person and you hear about creativity, you're like, oh man, this is going to throw me off, right? So this is kind of a um, counterintuitive relationship between the two. Ultimately, the two are designed to actually yes. serve each other very well. And if there's a methodology that brings the two together, like peanut butter and jelly, then you have ultimately a successful system where the structure does not invade on the creativity or hold it back. And whereas the creativity can be turned into action or executed because the structure enables it to do that. And that's exactly uh, what this book does. Yeah, <laughs> I, I no, I, I, I'm, I'm geeking out over here. Well, one, I, I do agree with you about um, once you have had the taste of building something your own, um, yep. and it's not even so much just that. It's just because, uh, and this conversation has come up several times in the last week. I think is that the ability to be able to move faster than people who, um, if they're thinking too much, and this kind of goes to to loop it all right into the end when you said structure and creativity. I couldn't agree with you more because I it wasn't until I understood more about um, when structure is applied to our creativity, 
our creativity can expand. Yep. And we have to be, if we don't manage our creativity, somebody else will, or we'll miss a step or we can't get things done the way we need to. Honoring and respecting our creativity is adding structure and infrastructure and processes and systems. And it took me a while to understand that until a few years ago. And that was a huge game changer. And in fact, and, and, people, and I get creatives that say, well, you know, I, I don't like to do all like that stuff. It's very unsexy. I'm like, but what if you made it sexy? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what yeah. if you took your creative power and you looked at structure and you're like, how would I set that up? Knowing what I know how I do this over here, that this can help this over here. So what do I need to set up and how do I get creative and use that creative thinking to design it? And then I started noticing people be like, because they're like, how'd you figure that out? I'm like, I did it for myself. I'm like, because I didn't want to do it either. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> you know, and then I'm yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? right? You know, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. so I, I love that you bring up structure and creativity. And what I wanted to ask you too is for you, it, it may have seen fairly simple that you, I, I'm assuming, I, I should probably not assume, but like, um, because a lot of projects that you were attached to, saw the growth and it seemed very like in alignment and you were a part of it. Why are so many struggling with growth? And I know there's a, that's such a loaded question because you've got everything from corporate bureaucracies to financial, <laughs> financial bureaucracies within the, the vent, the, the capital, right. And the raising and the to not enough talent, any number of things. But like, what do you think are the top reasons that businesses are not able to, to move? Well, I mean, you, like you said, there's a lot to it. I'll, I'll probably talk about the top things that I've personally experienced, so that may not align with everybody or it may just be like dead on. But I <laughs> think the first thing that I always see is mindset. It's how people think about growth. Yes. That's usually the, yes. the, the starting point. And I have a methodology which is built on an, an idea which is which is called uh, boardroom ego. So boardroom <laughs> ego was something I had been experiencing for, for many years. I mean, and it, it's not just at the board level. I mean, that's where it, it is actually the worst, but I would see it in smaller teams and 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 working across uh, cross-functional situations in an organization. And what that means is like um, you have a problem, as we all do. You get a whole bunch of group of guys and girls. They come together into a team, or they're on the board, and and they want to solve this problem. But everybody seems to be an expert. Everybody seems to know everything, or everybody seems to have the solution. But yet nothing is solved, which doesn't make any sense, right? And so we've all been there. And so what I've done with some clients, um, uh, you know, with different experiments, and I came to this conclusion was that we always need to start with a statement and we, we need to live it, which is, I don't know. And th the reason that statement is really powerful is it presses the reset button. So it doesn't really matter, you know, where I went to school or what my background is or how well I understand operations or my business. The minute that I say, I don't know, it opens up a whole new world of growth capabilities. And the reason behind that is exponential growth comes from the unknown areas. They come from the places that are least expected. And the way that you know that is that if you knew where the growth was coming from and you weren't getting exponential growth, then you're obviously not looking in the right place. And so therefore, if it's not visible to you, it's obviously in some other place that's not visible. And the only way to do that is you have to have a fresh mindset uh, to look at it. And that starts with, I don't know. The next part is experimentation. So at the core of 
you know, growth hacking is, is experimentation. Now, the problem with experimentation is that when people hear that, they, the first thing that comes to mind is like, oh, this is going to be expensive. This is going to take time. Um, you know, it's going to be a ton of failure, too much risk. And so people avoid experimentation. And so the first problem I would see in many organization, organizations is the lack of incentivization of risk taking. So if the chairman all the way to the CEO and all the way down is like, you know what, go, go, go mess things up you would find a whole different world of growth rather than, uh, you know, there's no room for error. You can't make a mistake. You have to be absolutely perfect. Now, what this does, is it creates what, what I call the growth dilemma. So the growth dilemma essentially is um, it's every, every, you know, founder, CEO, manager, executive, it's his, his or her nightmare at the beginning of the day, beginning of the week, beginning of the month and beginning of the year. What that nightmare is, is that I've got these massive growth goals that I need to achieve, but I don't have the resources to do it. And so what happens is they enter the growth dilemma and that's what has created a pop culture around poor performance. Mm -hmm. So you'll find this in many organizations, you know, how, how can I get away with doing nothing, but look like I've done everything and last <laughs> for as long as I can. God. Dude, it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> and they, and they're there and they're there. Keep going. And then I'll, I'll chime in. Yeah. Yeah. We've all been there and I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure as, as listeners are kind of listening like, Oh dude, I'm either in it. I've been in it. I've seen it or I'm avoiding it. Yeah. Um, and if you're in it and you're okay with it, this, uh, yeah, don't, don't listen anymore. It's <laughs> 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 not for you. You should um, listen so you can rewire your thinking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 Take, take it the other way around. Exactly. So, so, so that dilemma, that's growth hacking, right? So yeah. what happens is, is, you know, my definition when I, when I built it in my book, and like you said in the beginning, everyone has this definition, which is like, most of them are technical de definitions, by the way. And when I looked at it, I looked at it from a holistic perspective, from a strategic perspective, what is really growth hacking? Growth hacking is about disproportionate results. How do I put in less resources and get more results out of what I have? That process right in the middle, that's growth hacking, okay? How you do that is the growth hacking process. How you work with that is experimentation. Why? Because we don't know where the growth is going to come from. So what do we do is we, we make those experiments cheap, fast, easy, low risk, and we're most likely to fail in the first one or several few. That is part of the process. You have to know that. But those failures, when they're managed properly, and I talk about that in my book and I show it in the process, they're actually the most powerful things yes. that happen to you. Um, you know, I put a quote recently and it's a personal realization where I said, I'm in love with failure. And I had people just hammer me, man, on LinkedIn, <laughs> on Instagram. They're like, you know, this is, this is, you know, a, a negative affirmation. I said, dude, it's not. Because if I look at my personal career, failure has served me better than success. I mean, the reason they exist is because I was able to fuck up so many times. And, and it was my mindset, how to deal with that. And that's what yes. I work with clients on that's what i do in my book it's like dude it's not a failure it, it actually is a learning there's something very valuable in this you know what can we do better what can we do differently what did we see that could have done something we didn't know or you know what what, what happened like this? so so you start asking these fundamentally important questions that you would have normally not asked which creates relevance and context which is a, a whole different story <laughs> well there's a lot yeah. there's a lot that you're saying in there that i i want to connect the dots on for everybody if they haven't already because it's very clear and evident what you're saying mindset humility um i don't know something wow yep. what a concept I, I tell this to people all the time like if you don't know you can now start to seek and it's so interesting to me when people are like, you know, oh, I, I can't show that. I'm like, I can't help you. 
what do you what, yeah. what do you what do you what do you need? Like, well, I don't know my needs. I'm like, see, but this is all this is all personal development, self awareness, higher consciousness. It's our it's our relationship with ourselves. So I love the fact that you brought up you know the I don't know is is so key because. I don't know is such a great place to start so we can now start to look for the things that we need. And then you brought up, 100%. you know, yeah, right? And then you brought up experimentation. This goes right back to the mindset. Oh, you don't want to look like you're failing because it's not going to go well. It's going exactly as it should. And I've had to tell like executives this and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're looking at it as like, that didn't work. I'm looking at it as I have a yes or no answer. Do I go left? Do yeah. I go right? Oh, right yep. didn't work. Okay, left is the only option. Next, next, next. I was like, you guys got to get this word failure out of your vocabulary that it's like some like epic proportion of like you are, uh, it's worthy. It's a worthiness issue is what I found psychologically with people. Worthiness issues, value, all this stuff. And once I started relating to people empathetically and with emotional intelligence, it was way different because I'm like, listen, I need something to work and not work so I know what the next step is and what needs to be added or removed. That's it. <laughs> and they're like, I've never yeah, heard it put yes, to me that yeah. way. And I'm like, that's all we're doing. I'm like, but society has made this like, well, that person's growing so fast. You don't even see the things behind the scenes. And that, what if that doesn't work and how will we look? will look like people who are moving and making things happen and being innovative. I was like, you've got to stop worrying about what other people think and start worrying about moving because the people, yes. believe it or not, that are watching you move are more of like, huh, even if it doesn't work, they're kind of like, yeah, but they're trying things and we're not. <laughs> and I was like, you think they're thinking things that they're not, they're not, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, and one other thing that I love that you brought up the bureaucracies because it's true. I think it, 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 um, people do get the pressure of, um, growth, but without any direction <laughs> or like, yeah, they don't get the tools. Yeah. I mean, I mean, right? it's about, I'll give you interest, some interesting numbers behind this. So about 97%, and I think it's actually more than that of unicorns use growth hacking, right? Yeah. But about one and a half percent of fortune 1000s are trying to implement growth hacking and about 11% of corporates and startups just in the middle there, uh, work with, they're trying to do growth hacking. So, the unicorns have served this incredible example to the world where, um, you know, and, and, and I explain this in the book and I'll kind of try to visualize this for right. you as well. It was like, so what's, what's the difference? Like what's the difference between an organization that grows exponentially and one that doesn't. So the typical bureaucracy that we're used to is like, there's like the, you know, the CEO and then the leadership and underneath the leadership, this functions, right? Marketing and operations and R and D and human resources and finance, and you just keep going. And what happens is that the, the responsibility of growth is at a functional level. So the HR department is responsible for growth as equally as the marketing department and so forth. And that doesn't achieve exponential growth. What unicorns have taught the world is that growth sits on top of everybody. And if it doesn't serve it, it goes away. It's deleted. It's <laughs> terminated. Because if it doesn't serve growth right now, it most likely will not later. So we don't take it on. And this is a mindset and a, and a very fluid type of structure that a lot of people are not used to, right? It's kind of like, okay, well, you know, everyone say, well, marketing should be the, the, the department most responsible for growth. But because we're working a cross-functional situation, and that's the reality of it, it, that doesn't work because marketing has to work with operations to deliver a product. Customer service has to ensure that yes. the product works well. R&D has to continue developing the product. So everything is like interlinked. Yes. And these silos, these, these kill growth. So when you put growth on top of that, it works. And unicorns are the example. 
That's why they use growth hacking at an extreme level. It's, it's, not, um, it's not a secret. I mean, it, it's proven. It's well known. I will prove word for word what you just said is the gospel truth. And here's how I will prove it. I remember uh, when I went to Thunderbird for my international MBA, and they told me how, because uh, I'd always been independent, always been, I never really worked corporate. Um, I was told that the marketing department will have a certain budget. Let's just use like some big fancy you know brand, whatever they, let's say they have $100 million a year. Finance department is managing that and looking at them and they say, if you don't use all of that budget, whatever you don't use, we'll take the, that remainder and then you only get 80 million next year. So if you don't spend 20 million of it, we'll, we're gonna take 20 million of it uh, away from you the next year, right? Okay, that's already weird. Second, um, then I was like, all right. And so what they do is they purposely spend it. Whether they get, um, you know, it, whether they track its progress or not, they just seek to spend it. And I'm like, yeah. no. And then I was in a, a, a company. Uh, I, was, I was consulting and I was watching what was happening between departments because the, the, the way the professor was saying is that these two departments hate each other. I'm like, isn't it ironic? I said to my, uh, as usual, I'm one of those in the class. I'm like, well, that's kind of ironic. And the teacher was like, why? And I said, well, the marketing department is what makes the product known to get the sales. The sales are what the numbers are counted by the finance department and they need each other. I was like, so on an EQ level, which this will get me to my question to you, on an EQ level, don't they need each other? And then the professor said, yeah, actually they, they do. And he's like, but that's just like how the budgets work. And I'm like, I hate when I hear, but that's just how things are. Anyways, I was yep. in, and then when I saw a company and I saw that to be true, and I'm like, so you're spending the extra, you know, what, it wasn't a hundred million dollar budget, but they had a, a very big budget. I'm like, so you're spending the extra on like all this like advertising and all this other stuff that like, you don't even technically know if like you're going to get a return from it. They're like, oh, we'll, we, we always get our, our returns. Like we're, we're in the black. And I'm like, oh shit. I was like, now I get it. So to your point, you all are in these positions in already profitable brands that are already in the black. You don't really need to track anything and you also don't wanna disrupt anything and have any kind of tracking to make even more or less revenue because you're comfortable where you're at playing the politics of not losing your budget so by the finance department who will pull it away, and as long as you spend it all, you'll have that same next year and you guys will continue to look like you're playing the role of doing the right things. Meanwhile, I'm telling you, you can use all these, these resources for growth that you would get way more productivity and profitability and wouldn't that make your company look better? But they didn't understand those tools either. So now this brings yeah. me into my question to you. Are we dealing with an EQ issue? Is that what we're really dealing with here at the end of the day? <laughs> with, with, um, and because when you talked about the unicorns, you're seeing a bunch of people who are like, hey, let's try this out and see what happens and let's all row the boat together. Yeah, I think, okay, so it's an interesting question. I'll try to answer it maybe in a, a slightly different way. Okay. Um, <laughs> a lot of the people that I see in the growth hacking world, okay, a lot of them are, are, are social degenerates, okay? Yes. They're people who don't believe in the status quo. Uh, rules is something that doesn't exist. Love them. Um, mm -hmm structures only serve growth in a in like a really micro way uh but yet they play such an important role and so the mindset is always like just how do i grow at any cost possible now there's dangers to that right, right there's right, dangers to that. right but but ultimately it's like those lines that were just drawn where you know you have to do this to get that uh, go away because it's all focused in one area now this is a this is what you're, you're pointing out is, is basically I mean poor structure these these kind of corporate structures that you're talking about were invented in the 50s or 60s yes, they were. and continue to operate in today's world 
where the world has completely changed, right? So they're obsolete. Uh, the, the theories behind it are obsolete. The structures behind it are obsolete. The strategies cannot function because the, the structure doesn't work. I, I have this problem with clients all the time where procurement, finance, and whoever else you're working with don't align, right? They just don't align. I mean, forget the fact that they don't understand each other at a leadership level. The leaders should be opening up resources to ensure that these things happen. Now, the reason that they don't open up is because you know, they want to, they want to protect the seat they're sitting on. Right. Yes. So let me not rock the boat because if I do something might go wrong and then I'm in trouble, but what happens if something goes right, actually, <laughs> you know, what happens if you discover something completely different and your growth grows exponentially, right? What, what would happen now? You know, you don't do that in a, in a, in a way that you don't calculate your risks. I mean, you're obviously you're going to do it in a smart way and there's systems and processes and strategies to do that. But ultimately, the mindset has to be there. And that's fundamentally the problem. Uh, I don't know what more to tell you, but COVID has been a blessing in disguise in many ways. And, and forgive me for those who are listening who've had it or have known people who've suffered from it. I was about to die from it as well. Uh, very thankful to be alive. But what I can tell you is that what COVID has done, and you'll continue to see what it is doing, is that it's an awakening period. Um, it's showing truths that many people um, don't like, uh, and some are completely um, you know, awakened to. And I think that this is an, an awakening period and it's not over uh, from where we are today. I don't think it's over at all. One of my predictions in about a year and a half to two years from now, I've done a little talk about this, is called the talent explosion. And the talent explosion is that there's gonna be a new breed of talent that's going to emerge in the next year and a half to two years. And yep. these are gonna be people with super entrepreneurial skills because those who are in charge to solve some of the world's biggest problems can't do it. And you're going to be ready. You need to be ready to step up because your time is around the corner. I, I love it. I'm, I was actually, um, I'm literally writing what you're saying and put it on Instagram because it's so, it's so true. Uh, it's, uh, there was a lot more in the last year and a half than I think people realize because there's so many different levels all happening at the exact same time from, you know, character of people being revealed to how companies are doing business yes. to talent rethinking where they're putting their efforts to talent going out on their own to growth hacking in a new innovative way to, oh, this is interesting how my company behaved to me. Uh, to, I mean... <laughs> And that's just in yeah. business. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not, you know. You know, you know who's Go a ahead. good example, by the hmm. way? Disney. So Disney, I think their profits were down like 91%. I mean, it was somewhere in the 90% something. They came out like, yeah, you know what? This is good news. And I was like, whoa, this, I got to listen to this one. And they're like, this provides us the platform to drive a lot of the digital uh, efforts that we've been doing are now uh, validated. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm summarizing it for you. They're the only organization, at least from what I saw from a headline perspective, that came out and said that. Others were hiding their results. Like, hey, yeah, you know, our 2021 results look awful because you did so shitty in 2020, man. Are you kidding right. me? <laughs> right, right. It doesn't add up. Right. Well, you know, again, humility. Um, and yeah. and I get like, listen, I, I'm not so far off that I, I understand that they're, they're like they're worried. Like, well, humility will make me look like this and I don't want to look vulnerable and I don't want to like all this stuff. And I'm like, stop, stop. Like you guys are so in your head. Like that's part of the reason why, you know, you're worried about so many different things other than like the highest. I can tell you the highest form of profitability comes from authenticity. And I know yes. you don't want to believe it. But it does. 
hey guys, yeah. we're trying this new thing out. We'll see how it goes. We would love your feedback uh, along the way. Like, that's really cool. Wait, wow, they took my feedback. Yeah, like here, I think we optimize it. We're ready for launch. <laughs> so your your point, imagine experimenting. Uh, they, they're, yes. the, the movement now is called Build in Public, and I absolutely love it. The people building in public. Literally, there's even a newsletter called Build in Public. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. and it's such a remarkable concept of... Um, and it's been what we've been doing online for for those of us that have big communities. It's like, hey, I'm gonna try this, and then you guys like let me know what you think, and um, I I need you guys to give me some feedback. Oh, I like this, I like this, I don't like that. I'm like, oh, cool, okay, so I wow. should no longer do that. I'll just do these things. Um, okay, uh, and then are you guys now ready to use it? Like, yeah, just tell us where to sign up. Like, okay, we well, can sign up here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, now it's Matt, a, right? Different mindset, different mindset, man. I'll, I'll tell you a really interesting example. So you yeah. know about the 10-day growth hacking challenge that I'm yes. running. Yes, um, talk, so Please talk about it to everybody. Sorry? Please, please tell everybody what you're doing with it. Sure. Okay, so it's a 10-day growth hacking challenge is basically you get 10 days, three growth hacks to 10x your business. So I work with you in 10 days and we find a way to growth hack you using the growth thinking methodology, which is the second book that I did. And so what I learned in, in that process working with these contenders was that um, they built up courage in the process to take action. So many of them in the very beginning are like, I'm afraid to take action or they're taking limited action. By the time we're done the process, not also has their mindset changed, but they, they're like lions, like lions. I'm telling you, I had a team of two girls who were just like very timid, very scared. Um, by the time we were done, I, I couldn't tame them. And I said, my job here is done. Um, the fact that like, and, and I would always tell them like, hey, take action. Will this work? Take action. We, we don't think it's going to work. Take action. We don't know where to go. Take action. What's going to happen? Take action. It came to a point it surprised them. They went out to develop some partnerships and they're like, why would people partner with us when we're a small startup? You wouldn't believe it. They, they had more partners to work with than they could imagine. Why? Because when we looked at it from a growth hacking perspective, we looked at how do we enter creating value, right? And the growth hack worked. They were surprised. They're like, why would they do business with us? I was like, it's because you took action. That's why. You know, you would have been sitting theorizing at your table, like why or why not they wouldn't do it and why you need to create this fancy presentation. You don't need to do any of that. You just need to go have a human-to-human conversation. You need to create value. People are having a tough time. They want to do business with you. You want to do business with them. Create something that works. And it worked. And so I see this happening over and over again in the challenge. You know, two big outcomes. One is a mindset mindset shift big time. And the second one is like this courage or confidence that just enrages and comes out of them like fire. And once I see these kind of two, and I'm learning, I, I'm learning as I go through this, by the way, about how to manage that process. Um, and, and you know, I'll, I'll probably, you know, later on have a lot more insights to give. I'm, I'm about to finish season one, hopefully by end of June. So by the time we're done that one season, you know, the learnings will be phenomenal. But working with some incredible people who know absolutely nothing about growth hacking, but know it works. And they're so thirsty to learn it. And they just go out and they apply it. And then they just see their growth skyrocket, which is an amazing thing to see. I think it's great for anybody in any phase to examine what you're doing. Because like I can even say like even on my, my agency side, uh, that I that I have. I know, see. For me, I'm actually self-aware. I know exactly what needs to be removed, and I know exactly like what needs to be completed. Um, I'm 
busy with a bunch of different things. So that is my, um, that's my, my dealings to deal with whatever, but I, I would, but see, but even still, that's why when you do something like what you're, you go with a 10 X challenge is it forces you to deal with things and actually make the pivots. That's why I was saying it's good for anybody, whether yeah. they're the, these gals that were timid and like, Oh, who would want that to people who are probably like me are like, yeah, I know exactly what I need to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And my team's yeah. like waiting, like, didn't you have a plan? I'm like, I do, but you guys, I was like, you guys just keep doing all the work that you're doing for everybody right now. I'm like, I'm, this needs to be, re this needs to be created over here and I need to sit with myself. So I'm like, maybe I go to like, <laughs> I'm like, do I just go to Mexico for two weeks and like just sit like in some, you know, container, whether I'm not on the beach, but then I'm like, you know, here's how we're going to set it all up and then boom. Cause I, I love systems. And I know exactly what I need to do. Exactly. But yep. it's it's taking the time to sit with yourself and make the plan. Yeah. Know? No, no, 100%. And, and I've had that experience as well with some of the contenders Incredible. where it's just like, you know, get me out of what I'm in. Help me think about this so I can get yes. forward. And one of the one of the contenders, uh, she's about to start. She's going to get her whole team involved. Mm -hmm. And she'll be the first contender who's actually trying to do this on a team level, which, mm. which is cool. Most of it is about like, you know, the, the co-founder or the founder and, and you know, just kind of tight knit. Mm -hmm. um, I leave that decision up to the contenders. But the fact is, she's like, I want to get my team on this. I said, this book is designed to get everybody collaborating. This process is going to enable that. Let's do it. Because mm. once you have people who have a, a, like a growth mindset in, in, inside the organization, the culture starts to change. Everybody's like, we'll start thinking like, will this help us grow? Will it not? Right. And so that's an excellent measure, um, you know, to get people activated the other thing that i used to do long ago and the funny we used to call them lockdowns and mm. for no other reason that it was just like literally a lockdown and right i know in today's world that's uh <laughs> the the connotation of a lockdown is very different but what we do is we would identify one problem as a team we would literally lock down for as little as an hour and no phone no email not allowed to leave the room like you just go to the washroom get your coffee do what you have to do no distractions phones off one hour, one problem. We're not leaving until it's done. We would do them even as retreats as these started becoming really successful. So I we like would, that. you know, hire a hotel, set up the room, uh, bring the team out and say, guys, this whole weekend, we're just solving three problems. And we'll have obviously some free time, but we're not leaving until we finish problem one, two, and three. And the level of success we had in just getting super creative, super focused, because the distractions are, are incredible. Man. Everything. Um, you know, just one little message, I think. The one distraction can take 22 minutes to recalibrate your mm -hmm. focus. I think that's the, the number that, that I've seen uh, talked about there. That, that's crazy, man. Two, two, two distractions, like end to end, 44 minutes. Uh, that's a lot of time. It's, it is. It's, it's really the discipline of managing daily inputs yep. Yep. at its simplistic core because, oh, wow, the focus is something. Because <laughs> like, when, when we can say, let's just solve what's right in front of us, I have found there's a, there's a before I, I finish that statement, there's this book, um, something about, uh, something time, I'll, I'll get the, I'll get the, the, uh, the name of it. But interestingly, the author was talking about what happens a lot of times too is more often than not, we can actually do a task right away, but we're distracted. Yes. We're either distracted or we're thinking about it. And then we're going to say, okay, I'll make a plan in the future. And, I, and anybody that's listened to the podcast for a while knows I, I say this story every now and then because it's worth repeating. But um, I yep. remember, I remember when uh, this is years back when we had to get the podcast onto Google play 
Um, and we really weren't sure what was involved. And so one of the executive producers was like, hey, you know, we really should get it on Google Play. I'm like, yeah, I would love to. You know, I, I don't know all that's involved. He's like, and so about five or 10 minutes, we're trying to figure out um, how to like to schedule for next week. And by the way, I'd already known this for about five or six months. I'd never done it. And I was like, it's going to be some time. I don't have that time. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. It's in the head, right? We start making the narrative in the head. And so he says to me, he's like, so we're trying to get our schedule down. We finally get it down. It's going to be next week at a Wednesday. We're going to get together for an hour and a half and we'll figure it out. I'm walking towards the door and I stop and I go, out of curiosity, what's involved with doing it? I just, I I never asked. I, me, my fault. I never asked. What's involved? He goes, that's a good question. Turns around, Googles it. So for everybody else, I always say, Google it, Googles it, looks up and goes, wait, hang on one second. Mm. Runs over, copies the URL, pastes and goes, I think that's it. It took <laughs> 30 seconds. Actually, it took six months and 30 seconds and space yeah. in my mind. And that was my lesson. And I tell people all the time, and, and the book that talks about time and time management, it was specifically around that, what happens in our head when we, especially we're like, oh, I'll go plan it out or I'll like in the future and when I can, you know, we, we should make time, absolutely. But if we start thinking about things too long, that's another growth hack, right? If we th- start thinking about two things long, too, too long for things, we start making up in our mind all of these variables that we don't even know exist because we don't even know what the variables are and we almost never get to it because we're like, well, I've got a million other things that need my attention right now. And really, they needed my attention because it's clearly I already know the solution, and it's probably admin work. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've been there, and I suffer from this as well. Right. Where it's like you 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 overblow it in your head, and it really doesn't need that much to get mm. it done. And um, what I found is, okay, first off, like you know, sometimes I just say just start. Like I say, sometimes don't think, just start. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I I mean, I tell this to people in the challenge. I do this with my clients, and and I do my best for myself. It's usually easier for me to help a client or help someone else. Than to help myself and I, I think we can all relate to that um it's just one of those weird human things but ultimately there's times where i have to stop and say okay stop thinking and just just take action and you know when i first started doing video actually on my youtube channel um i really sucked okay and and it was okay because that's exactly what i want to do i go to my whiteboard and i said i'm gonna wait for everyone to give me feedback and i'm gonna go one by one and so i get things like you know iron your shirt or uh, the lighting was off, or you know, one of the things, and I'll do it now. You know, put your hands. You know, your hands have to be visible. And this is a communications uh, specialist I know, and he's like, dude, there's something related to people seeing the hand and trusting you. So the longer that the hand is in the frame, with you know the the, the adjustments and stuff, people will feel that they can trust you more. But if they don't see it like this, like I'm doing right now, it's like, what's this guy doing? Like, you know, can we trust him? And so. I, I got this mountain of feedback and I just created this list and I would just prioritize them and they're just like, fix it one by one. And the secret to it was yes. fixing it one by one. It wasn't yes. like, I see these 10 things in front of me, I'm going to fix these 10 things in the next video. That would, would never allowed me to succeed. I had to go one by one. And that one by one created that momentum. So, you know, next video, fix this, next video, fix that. And then eventually, you know, I just got better at it. And, and it, was just, it was the only way to learn. And so I got one of my followers, she was like, you know, I want to start creating some videos. I'm afraid, you know, I'm really scared. I don't know about the technicalities. And so I told her about my story and she was like, really? And I showed her the very first video producer. Like, oh, she started laughing. I'm like, you see what I'm talking about, right? You know, and, and I, I can laugh at it too. And I said, because, you know, if we, we're okay with, you know, sucking at something or failing, it's okay because you're just going to move forward and get better at it. 
and and so she did she's amazing at it today and she's like you know it was just like that one action i needed to do which yeah. is like it's okay to suck she's yeah. like nobody told me that by the way that was one of the weird things she's like everybody tells me like there's a way to do it and you just have to do it and that's the only way to do it and, and I, I was like that doesn't make any sense because there is no one way to doing everything right. there are multiple ways of doing things and so just if that's not working for you because it's not working for you stop doing it just find another way and so she did it's here, here she is. It's so true. I, I did a post a while back about um, the one percent, and and it's like, what happens if you just keep increasing? So it's the same thing. You increase it by one percent each day, yep. each day, each day, Amazing each day. Formula. And um, you know, it's it's so true. By the way, because people are like, oh, I love your branding. I love the way you design things and do this other other stuff. And I'm like, well, it's um, a living, breathing thing. And they always go like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, brand is like an extension of really our expression of who we are, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, so I'm constantly growing. I'm constantly tweaking it. I'm constantly learning along the way. So like I erase that. I fine tune that. I reshape that. Oh, I add that now in there because that's now happening. Plus new information coming in on like what, how we can change it. I was like, it's just an ever evolving yep. entity, if, if you will. I'm like, and if you think about it like that, you're just constantly changing it every single day. And you're right. The best thing is just, I, I tell people, and I'm, I'm in it right now too. Like I'm, you know, I'm messing with uh, like NFTs and I'm jumping into that, that, that I get all of how it works. Um, but it's like, you know, it's new. And so I'm like, all right, um, what's the first thing I need to do? All right. Now, now that that's set up, okay, what's the next thing? All right. Now that's set up and so forth and so on. And, um, you know, uh, and, there's also something to be said about, I think, in growth hacking as also being somebody who, if I, if I experiment with it, then I can also help others as well. So, yeah. right, that's, that's a key in growth hacking as well that I've noticed is that um, I don't want to recommend something that I don't have more tangible knowledge on because I haven't really done it. You see this with people like Gary Vee all the time, you know, and yeah. others, right? It's like, you know, once you've, um, like, hey, I'm going to experiment, and then I'll I'll get back to you with my my reported findings. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a and that's a really awesome way of doing it. I mean, I mean, this you know, getting out there and being open about your experiments and sharing it are super important. One of the things I've learned about growth hacking is that um, the most potent growth hacks are actually top secret, and so it's kind of funny because what happened was that so uh, you know, going back to like black hat versus grayscale and right, white remember hat. that? So, I remember those what, terms. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I train people, I'm like, okay, if I can Google the hack, it's most likely not very potent. That means there's right. a ton of people doing it and it's probably exhausted. If it's in the grayscale, so if it's like, you know, more on the lighter side of grayscale, the chances is it's a little bit more potent. But if you go all the way to the darker side of grayscale, and I don't go to the black hat stuff, I'm, I'm very right. adamant about that. Talk right. about it in my book that, you know, that's not an area to go to. And there's a lot of people in the growth hacking space who are in that. And growth hacking space originates from there. That, that's its truth. That's its shady past, right? So, you know, which is no reason to be around the bush about it. But there's a lot of potential in the darker side of the grayscale where you don't hurt anybody or, you know, break the law or, or, or do anything unethical. And those are some of the most potent type of growth hacks. And so what I learned was that growth hacking is about people who practice and they keep the secrets within circles. Um, and so once they get out of that circle, you can see it within days that um, it's exploited and then it just stops working because the minute that it's visible and seen, um, it's no longer really a hack. It's just, it's just known and boom, it's, it's gone. So what I learned is I went much, much deeper and, and building these communities and having these communities, 
you know, some of the brilliant things that guys were finding and implementing on the grayscale is if people in the public knew about it, they, 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 their heads will explode <laughs> what they can do with it, right? So that's, you know, uh, the other side of the problem. So, so it's interesting, like, like I'm always open to, I mean, that's why I do the 10 day growth hacking challenge. So it's out in the open and people can learn. And ultimately when you have your blueprint and you create your own um, growth hacks, they would obviously be trade secrets, right? They won't, they wouldn't be out in the open anyways. So, yeah. <laughs> you, well, you bring up, you know, some really interesting when we talk about gray hat and white hat and, and black hat. Um, interestingly enough, too, um, gray and above anytime. Um, so in case anybody's listening, because these are some, some of these terms like we, we remember them back at the beginning. Black hat were like ways that people would find um, ways to like grow some sort of a marketing campaign um, to like get their numbers, get their money, whatever. And they may not use like ethical ethical routes you know what i mean and so um and so gray and white hat were like just marketing techniques that um well white is white is white it's like more like you're well known like uh, you know oh, i use instagram to drive traffic whatever um gray is kind of like hey something new like like when many chat came out with um you know a facebook messenger bot and um it's perfectly fine to use um but facebook uh, hadn't figured out a couple of things yet in terms of how um many chat was using to do automations for um you know just automatically you know, contacting people through through Messenger at, at scale. And, you know, Facebook looked into that and was like, oh, wait, that's a little too much and we don't own it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, exactly. but, but, but anyway, but to your point, but one of the things I liked when I was listening to that about too is that when it gets out of the circles too is that, because also sometimes it works in reverse. I've also noticed where sometimes you have really great techniques that come out of the, the, the gray hat or like new techniques for, for growth marketing that are phenomenal. And what happens is, once it does get out of the circles, there's abuse in the saturated markets of people yes. like using it that inadvertently, yes, it could be known as white because it's now more widely accepted, but in a weird, ironic way, it's black because black hat because of um black hat marketing because of people um kind of abusing, you know, the the technique and not, not and not necessarily using it to its strength and you're like oh. and I, I again to reference Gary I think he said I think it was him a long while ago he said the the, the worst thing to happen to marketing was marketers <laughs> uh. <laughs> and he and he meant it cuz we're all marketers but he was like he's yeah. like meaning that once because when you when when you put greed in there and you put um these other you know, ideologies of like, I need more, I need more. And like, you know, and, and let's uh, uh, abuse this thing. And you're like, well, you're pulled away from honoring the people that you serve, um, you know, and um, you're, you've moved away from the mission and the vision, the values and the integrity, most importantly. And so, yeah, yeah so it was interesting when you bring that up. I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, but isn't it also interesting how it becomes so saturated that they yeah. end up doing it inappropriately? You know, Matt, that's a great point. I've never thought of it like that, but you're 100% right. And and I think that's why a lot of people deep in the growth hacking space keep them as secrets because the minute they go out there, they're so abused that the brilliance of the secret yes. is gone. Like, like and, and, and the people who actually use it, by the way, in those tight circles, they don't abuse it, by the way. No, they're, they're good actually people. very careful. Yeah. Very careful because they've learned to appreciate the fact that hey, we don't want this to get so far out there that we can never use it again. We would like to maximize its potential and optimize it while we can. And they're very aware by kind of in the higher levels of growth hacking. You know, one of the things that we measure, so this thing I run is called Growth Labs, and it's a it's a basically a data framework that we use using some AI to collect data to shortcut growth. Okay, And one of the things that we measure is like the, the, the lifespan of the growth hack itself, right? So 
we measure things like, you know, how complex is it? How many tools need to be used, integrations if required, um, the cross-functionality classification of the growth hack. And we go very deep into certain kinds of data. And so what we always look at is like, how do these elements affect the lifespan of growth hack, right? And so that's one of the things that a lot of growth hackers, when they first start out, they don't think about the lifespan. And we always say like, listen, we need to always think about the lifespan very early on because you will change the way that you work with it right now. Right. So if this is something you knew that has six months uh, shelf life maximum, how you would use it today would be different than if like it would last a year or two years. Um, so one example I'll give you. This. So we have a growth hacker who's been very active on LinkedIn without going into many details. And at some point, I don't know if you recall this, but on LinkedIn, you can actually have multiple selection. So if you want to select a whole bunch of contacts and take an action that actually doesn't exist right now because it was abused once some of the techniques on how to use that to growth hack were, were actually taken and just, like you said, it became a white hat and it just like went into total abuse. And so LinkedIn just shuts it down. And so these big platforms, I empathize with the big platforms, by the way, um, they shut down API connections, they shut down different functions uh, because they're just abused, right? And so they have these brilliant ways that can be used if only a few people knew about it, but if everybody knew it, then it's just like abuse, abuse, abuse. They shut it down. The API gets adjusted. They, they, they reset the API. So you have all these connections that just fall apart. We have one tool that we use where we had an excellent API connection with YouTube for, for a long time, and they recently shut it down. And I had to check with a few people, like, am, am I seeing this right? Is something wrong? And they like, yeah, there was so much abuse with this connection in the API with YouTube. They just shut it down. They just block it. Just It's gone. It's done. It's like, damn, it reached the end of its lifespan. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a yeah. great point you bring up about um, in our world, we, we've seen the the rising tides and the end of the lifespan for these different things. Like, and it's always, it is always an interesting, like, is that one no longer available? You're like, oh, and then you always want to be like, yeah. who abused it? <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a You'll little bit of upset. Right. Upset. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did this to us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So true because I had always been, um, a, uh, in, as a marketer, uh, in the marketing hat of mine, like it's always been, um, you know, you always, always ethical, always integrity, like use it for the right reason. Cause you're just yeah. like, oh, this is a convenience to how we uh, market to our audience. And yeah, every time something gets shut down, I remember, I mean, you, we saw that heavily with the SEO world, um, with Google yeah. in the, in the two, mid 2000, mid to late 2000s, uh, when we were all doing like affiliate marketing and stuff like that. Uh, well that kind of affiliate marketing was like, um, you know, uh, and you'd see different, um, you'd see different campaigns be completely shut down. You know, like what happened? Like, oh, well you were on the same server. Uh, Cause if you use shared servers back in the day, right? On like Google or GoDaddy or whoever, all of a sudden like you would no longer have like that, that the, the campaign would be shut down or, or you'd, you'd have to call up and be like, hey, what's going on? Like, oh, you were sharing the same server as like a bunch of people who were really doing some abusive things. You're fine. Uh, we'll move you over to this other server. And you're like, are you serious right now? You know, and, and sure enough, then also certain campaigns would come down because people would abuse to drive any kind of level of traffic to get the money from driving traffic. And you're like, wow, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. Actually last month uh, I was reading that Google had the most algorithm updates in a single month in May. Is it May? Yeah. In May this month. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they've had the most updates they've had in a single month uh, because they're fixing up many things. And so, Every time a change happens, everyone's ranks just go all over the place, right? Right. I, I, and I'll tell you something that sounds a little bit weird. Um, I don't think a lot of these tech companies understand how their algor algorithms work. I don't think, or in some cases, I don't think they know how to control them. Um, and um, I don't want to go into too much technical detail. <laughs> I, I get you. 
Yeah. You get it, right? There's a I lot do. of exploitation that takes place in this process. Right. What I mean by that is like, here's how I you can prove it to yourself without you having to believe me. Go set up two Facebook ads that are exactly identical and everything possible. Run them at the exact same time. You will get two different results. Try three ads, four ads. doesn't matter how many. Just they'll never come out the same. How can that be? If, if it's the algorithm is so well structured and everything is so controlled like that, how is it I'm getting four different results on four different ads when they're identical? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it's highly unpredictable in many ways. I mean, it's it, usually how I explain to people is like, you can change the, so you control the variables, you can change those, but the outcome of those variables are so dynamic that you can't necessarily control it to the level you might think. So I told someone recently, I said, I don't think Facebook understands the implications of their algorithm. They said, absolutely they do. I said, no, man, if there's some, there's some things, if I showed you that you'd be shocked what you can do. And like, I'm not going to get into it, but you know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, yeah. it's an interesting point because if two identical, identical from the, the headline, the caption, um, the, uh, the creative, everything about it is identical, including its targeting and they're getting different outcomes. Well, think about what A-B testing is like now between two different ads. Like how are you able to take, you know, yes. the, 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 the data from like, oh, this one performed better. Well, did it perform better just because it's a Tuesday? <laughs> I mean, not a Tuesday, but yeah. like, because yeah, like yeah, just, yeah. I mean, just because it actually really is genuinely more converting or yeah. is it just because the weird algorithm did what it did. And that's that, because if, if two identical don't perform the exact same way, then there's something going on there. And that's a conversation Big for another time. time. But yes, I, yeah. d- I definitely agree with you. With the changing of everything, do brands, you know, where do brands and companies go from here? I always say kind of adapt or die. Like they better start getting more nimble. They better start getting more um, humbling and use, you know, embrace humility, embrace, uh, you know, uh, moving innovatively and quickly and, with this type of talent and, and, uh, or they're going to see a, a decline over time, but I'd love to get your take on it. Big time. So, so I think like, again, let's go back to the COVID context. I think what COVID has done is it's helped bring a lot of relevance and context to this particular situation. Yes. And I think that this is what it's all about. So organizations who would not listen to the logic that you've just laid out, uh, COVID has forced it into their business model agreed and just because it's forced though doesn't mean that they're still accepting it right and mm-hmm. so ultimately if you take a look at okay let's look at like e-learning as an example like it has existed ever since 1999 2000 uh, a lot of the platforms in the sense of like the basic mechanics of it had existed 20 years ago but why is it 20 years later that it becomes mass adopted now we know that events have caused that but people were kind of shocked, like, wow, does this kind of actually be done? Does it work? And everyone's running around trying to figure out how to use e-learning, you know, when it's been around for so long. Or Zoom, you know, is a perfect right. example. Like, I've been running remote teams using Skype and Zoom for over a decade. Right. And then, all, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, Zoom, this, and everyone's Zoomed out, and the Zoom boom. And you have all this, like, Zoom culture that's come out of it. Uh, and it just goes to show the importance of timing, right? So if we were to go back to the very first point, <laughs> right, timing, which you talked about, and um, there was, there was, I always like to give the example when it comes to timing with Bill Gross from Idea Labs when he had a TED talk and he took these five elements out of hundreds of companies he had funded. So it's things like, you know, the team, the idea, the concept. Um, and then finally, the last one was timing. And so he would go through each one of these points and everybody would think the very first point being like the team, no, uh, the idea, no, the business model, no, the product, no. It goes to the very last one, timing. He's like, they got timing right. You know, 
Facebook came in at a time when media buying was decreasing. Mm -hmm. uh, Airbnb came at a time when tourism was going down. Uh, same thing with Booking.com and it's, it's time. Booking.com is an amazing company. It started in 1996. They do a thousand experiments a day just to put things into perspective to see how that mindset from 1996 has kept mm -hmm. them as an industry leader even in today's world. An example to be looked at. Wow. Since 19, I didn't know that about booking.com. That's yeah. incredible. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's interesting when you look at timing of things of um, trends that are happening. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, you know, that um, they could look at like Facebook and like with media buying, like, oh, media buying was having a downward trend. Like, yeah, but um, they were initiating a different level of connectivity that would drive a different level of data that yep. could then be used differently. And unfortunately that's gone into a whole other, uh, that would be another rabbit hole as well too. <laughs> so we're not going to, we're not going to give them that much airtime, but, um, but yeah, so, but, but it's still the point of like, with Airbnb, like you were saying, like, well, tourism was going down, but then they weren't looking at it like, oh, this is a problem. And like, so we won't dare touch us. It's like, oh no, because people are wanting different experiences. And exactly. so how do we look at something out of convenience to the people? Um, and how they're changing, not what we want to see happen. Um, and so, yeah, but you're also, it was funny. I was laughing when you were talking about the Zoom part because I, I think we talked about that in our, on our uh, call uh, a couple weeks ago where <laughs> people <laughs> were like, have you tried the Zoom thing? And I'm like, what is it you people think I've been doing for a decade? <laughs> they were like, I know. You know, I know. like, well, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I know you like something with the internet. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's like, yeah. so you really just looked at me as like an outcast from like the, you know, the, the general world because I, <laughs> I just didn't want to do the, you know, the old school marketing, old school jobs and all that stuff. But um, this is incredible. Where can everybody find out about you online? Um, reach out to you as well as also where can they find out about the Growth Hacking Challenge? Um, get in yep. touch with you, all, all of the things. Sure. So to get in touch with me, to just learn a little bit more about me, you can go to nadersabri.com. So N-A-D-E-R, Sabri, S-A-B-R-Y.com. To learn more about the Growth Hacking Challenge, you can go to mygrowththinking.com. And that's about the, the book and the challenge itself. And then my YouTube channel, you can just put my name into YouTube, Nader Sabri, and you'll find me right at the top there. Um, you can find the challenge is uh, basically the episodes go onto YouTube and then we got a ton of content on there related to everything to what is growth hacking to why it's important, how viral growth hacking works, all the way to the challenge itself. So just full of a ton of resources. Uh, I've invested a great amount of time and money into creating resources, not just books, but training videos so people can get educated uh, about growth hacking. And the reason that I do that is that growth hacking is one of the super skills of the future. Uh, which a lot of people don't realize. And it's going to serve you very well to understand it and master this skill. And it's not just a single skill. In fact, mm -hmm. it's got a lot of um, other kind of skills under the hood. So it's just to heads up on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's constantly evolving. I think that's the part that people don't yeah. understand is growth hacking is not, it's not like a, a phase. It's a, yeah. it's a, a function, you know, that is, it's never going away. And, the, and, and, with technology increasing the way it is and um, tokenization and platforming and other things coming in the future, knowing and understanding how um, community-centric uh, initiatives online and everything are going to be running, yeah, you're going to need some growth hacking involved in there. So uh, so I love it. So everybody can go to mygrowthinking.com and that's where they'll be able to find out about the challenge, the book, and all that. 
uh, and Nader Sabri on uh, Instagram, on LinkedIn. Um, any other what, what other sites did you mention, or did I get and YouTube? Yeah, and YouTube, and YouTube yeah, of well. course, yeah. Of course. So a ton of resources on all of them that you can check out, and definitely reach out to me. I mean, if you got some questions, I'm always happy to point people to resources that uh, can just help you get started. And uh, if you got some really pressing questions, that you know, hit, hit me up. I love them. Recording <laughs> in progress. Yeah. I I forgot to yeah. start it back again, but I, I got yeah. the audio, so it's good. But yeah, no, okay. I um, but yeah, that's incredible. I um, uh, for everybody, and I always encourage everybody that's listening, always um, reach out. You know, always, always reach out, and um, you know, please uh, connect everybody. Uh, you know, just uh, of course, time uh, is always. Uh, you know, people are very busy, <laughs> so be so be patient with Nader. But um, but Nader, I really appreciate this, and you're welcome. You know, I always say this: you're welcome back on any time. Um, it's a journey-driven podcast, so I know we can dive into a lot of different other um, uh, topics. And uh, you know, I appreciate you you sharing all this because I think it's it's. It probably also confirms what a lot of people know and need to explore. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much. No, no, it's a pleasure. And uh, it's an honor to be on your show. And I'm really happy to see that you're cultivating a community of like-minded people. Um, it's such a small world and it just takes one small connection. And a shout out to Letty, of course, who's connected us. Yes. Um, just to show how small this world really is. <laughs> yes. Amen. Absolutely. I sit back for one second. Yeah. Um, but for everybody else listening, Nader Sabri, uh, you can go to uh, YouTube. You can go to uh, LinkedIn. You can go to Instagram, um, mygrowthinking.com. That'll give you a lot of other information and context as well there too. Growth hacking. Guys, like if you're trying to grow a concept right now, look into it. I, this is a resource. Look into it. <laughs> I can lead you to water, but you've got to drink for yourself. As I always tell people, I can't do it for you, but at least we can we can make things a little bit easier along the way, right? So um, I appreciate Nader being on the show. And uh, for myself, Mike Osmond, for The Hustle Sold Separately, we are out. Recording stopped.